0: Song of Solomon, the second chapter, and the 15th verse. Just this one verse is what I want you to notice. Song of Solomon, two, fifteen. He said, take us the foxes, the little foxes. Everybody say little foxes. Little fox. <laughs> the little foxes that spoil the vines. Spoil means they ruin them. For our vines have tender grapes. Now, uh, I read some history and, you know, historical and geographical information on this one time, and it it talked about the fact that uh, oftentimes people would fence their vineyards in, and it would keep out the larger animals, you know, the goats and sheep and and horses and what have you, from coming in and, and trampling their vineyards. But these little foxes, little dog-like animals that are very small, smaller than an average dog, were very agile, and oftentimes they could go through small places in their uh, fences or scale over the little rock fences, and they would get in the vineyard and dig around the roots of their uh, uh, vines and chew around the roots of their vines and, and kill their vines and destroy and spoil their vines and get enough of that going on, it could ruin a whole vineyard. And it was those little things that the fence didn't keep out, the little foxes that ruined and spoiled the vine. Everybody say little foxes. Little fox. If you come on over to Matthew, the 13th chapter, you see a, a similar thought here, how in a little bit different context. But in Matthew the 13th chapter, this this whole chapter is a record of Jesus teaching and of many parables that he gave the uh, disciples and us. And we're just going to read this one here in verse 31, Matthew 13, Matthew 13, 31. It says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. Everybody say the least. The least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest. Everybody say the greatest. Among herbs and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Jesus used this particular parable and the principle revealed therein many times in his teachings, didn't he? Talking about the principle of seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping. And there are several uh, recordings of this parable of the mustard seed itself. Several different references in the Gospels about the mustard seed. Faith is a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is a mustard seed. And uh, we're told that the reason that he just used the mustard seed as an example is because it was so small. Have you ever seen a mustard seed? They're tiny, just little tiny things, smaller than a, a BB or something like that. They're little tiny, tiny seeds. And yet he says, and of course, the uh, particularly the one that they're talking about, the, the particular mustard uh, plant that grew in that area, uh, grew to be a big, huge thing. So that uh, birds came and could put their nest in the, in the plan and, and what have you, and so he's talking about something that starts very 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 small and yet develops and increases and grows, and grows and grows and grows and grows until it's big, big. You'll find this principle throughout the Word of God, throughout the principle, throughout the Word of God. The principle that things start small. And get big. Amen. And you'll find that it's true whether you're talking about bad things. Or whether you're talking about good things. Whether you're talking about curses. Or whether you're talking about blessings. Whether you're talking about sickness. Or whether you're talking about healing. Whether you're talking about poverty. Or whether you're talking about prosperity whether you're talking about marriage problems and relationship problems or whether you're talking about reconciliation and mending and healing of relationships, whether you're talking about ministries or careers, whether you're talking about the anointing, whether you're talking about revelation, and the list goes on and on and on. The principle and the truth is that virtually everything that you want to talk about starts small and grows big. Amen, is that right? And uh, because it's that way, and because of the way human nature is, oftentimes things escape people. Though though every one of us should be acutely aware of this constantly, this principle escapes folk on a regular basis. They lose sight of the fact that things start small. So many times when people have problems, I don't care what area that you're talking about in, so many times when people have problems, in so many of the situations, these problems did not develop overnight, especially when they are acute problems and big problems. they didn't. They didn't start yesterday or the week before. They've been coming a long, long time. And yet when people finally acknowledge them to deal with them, they, they act surprised like it's something that just happened yesterday. And when it comes to, to healing, when it comes to the blessings of the Lord, so many times people, the only way they think is now. It's like that. You know, only, only concept they have of healing is you get zapped by the power of God and instantaneously every symptom and pain and discomfort is gone. Concerning finances, that somebody just comes by and hands you a check for a half million or something? Just like that. And don't misunderstand me. There are spectacular manifestations of God's power and grace. Amen. But but these spectacular things are the exceptions. They are not the rule and the common way of life for us as Christians. Many have not wanted to acknowledge that. They've not wanted to believe that and look at that. But it's the truth. The Bible talks about instantaneous miracles of healing. Where that one moment someone is near death or even dead in some cases that are recorded in the scripture. And the next moment they're perfectly whole and healed. And we've seen situations like that. We've seen situations like that here at healing school. We've seen tumors instantly disappear. We've seen arthritic joints and limbs instantly loosed. Ears opened. Amen. Amen. I mean, just in a a moment of time. Our God's a big God. He's a great God. He, He can do things like that, absolutely. Not only do we believe it, we know it. We've seen it. We've experienced it. But let me tell you what else I've experienced in my several years in the ministry here in healing school. For every one instantaneous, spectacular situation like that that I've known about personally, I could also tell you, about probably 50 60 70 cases by comparison that recovered little by little they started getting better and it wasn't sometimes it wasn't a very pronounced thing but they just kept getting better better day after day week after week sometimes month after month until they are whole and healthy and strong and free amen Sometimes people say, well, yeah, but now I just believe that when God heals, it's the way Jesus always did in the Bible, and Jesus always healed people instantaneously in the Bible. Well, no, that's not even true. I said, that's not even true. First of all, you got to understand that though Jesus did minister as a man, yet the Bible said he was anointed with the Spirit without measure. Jesus did operate as a man, but... He operated in one sense differently than men in that he stood in all ministry offices at the same time with all the equipment for them at the same time. No individual in the body of Christ does that today. In other words, no individual is a prophet and an apostle and an evangelist and a pastor and a teacher and possesses all the ministry gifts and equipment at one time. The person that says they are is just telling you a lie. Are you listening? Are you there? Don't know any better. But uh, the Lord did, and, and so you'll see a, a whole spectrum of things through his one ministry that you won't see through just any one individual's ministry today, and yet you should see it through all of the body of Christ put together. See, when Jesus was walking the earth, he was the only body of Christ there was on the earth. But since he's been resurrected, and now the church has come into being, the Bible said he's the head, and all of us all over the world are the body. Amen. But besides that, even in Jesus' ministry, there were uh, healings that were not instantaneous. The Bible said over in John 4 that the nobleman's son began to amend. Now, what does that mean? Began to amend. Well, that means he started getting better and got better and better and better and better. The Bible said the ten lepers in Luke 17, the ten lepers were healed as they went. Progressive. Can you see that? And don't you remember one of the favorite verses that we have that we quote around here is, you know, uh, Mark 16, 18, said that believers shall lay hands on the sick and what would happen to those? They shall recover. It didn't say instantly their symptoms would disappear. We believe in that. But to try to say that that's what's supposed to happen every time is, is, is very incorrect. Very incorrect. We believe in instantaneous miracles. But we also believe in recovery. How many believe in recovery? Granted, I'm sure everybody would like to have an instantaneous miracle. Certainly. But how many would take and would accept recovery? If you didn't have an instantaneous miracle you would you would take healing, you would take recovery. I should hope so amen. And like I said, thank god for for these spectacular things but uh, but we found these to be the exception rather than the rule that you'll see more people recover by far than you will things that just happened spectacularly, oftentimes things that happen spectacularly and instantaneously, there are more reasons for the Lord doing it than just the, the, the person themselves benefiting from it. Oftentimes, he, he also does it as a sign, and he does it to, to, you know, do some other things. Sometimes sometimes when people get healed, it's just for their benefit. Other times, the Lord makes a sign out of it, and he does several things with it. Can you say Amen. And it's not for you to decide how your case is going to be. You just uh, trust him, let him do what he wants to with your healing. Amen. But you do know this, it's God's will for you to be healed. And that every Christian has a right, amen, a right that Jesus bought and paid for when he took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, when he took those stripes, amen, a right that he bought and paid for to be healed and to be whole. But the principle of the kingdom of God is that things start small and they get bigger. Amen? And if you learn how to hook up and release your faith, you may not just be jolted out of your chair by a lightning bolt of God's power and your symptoms instantly disappear, but if you get in line with the word of God and begin to release faith, healing can start in you immediately. Amen? It may start on a small scale. You may not be able to, it may not just overwhelm you for the, you know, a few hours or a few days, whatever, but it'll be working in you and it'll get bigger and bigger and greater and greater until eventually you'll be perfectly whole. How I many understand what we're talking about? Do you believe in these principles? I trust that you do. Things start small and they get bigger. I'm talking to you today and perhaps throughout the week about the subject of, Little things. Little things. Amen. Little things. How many think that'd be a worthwhile topic? Talking about little things. Not just little objects, but little issues, little problems, little beginnings, little blessings. Amen. Little seeds. Little opportunities, little words, little deeds. Amen? Why are we going to be talking about these things? Because all these things can be seeds that you plant, that though they begin small, they don't end up small. They end up to be big, even sometimes great, life changing things. Sometimes family-changing things, sometimes church-changing things, sometimes state-changing things, sometimes nation-changing things. Start very, very, very small with just a word, a little act. And I believe the Spirit of God is wanting to emphasize some things to us, all of us, me as well as you, that we're to take more heed to the small things. Amen. Amen. Because, see, the natural tendency is to overlook little things, to consider them unimportant, insignificant, and be looking for some great big spectacular something. Brother Hagin said several years ago, he said the Lord spoke to him and told him this. He said, my people, many of my people, are looking for the spectacular and they are missing the supernatural. Did you hear that? He said, the Lord told him, many of my people are looking, searching for the spectacular. And they're missing the supernatural. How many know that something doesn't have to be spectacular to be supernatural? Supernatural things can happen, and they're not flashy, they're not showy, they're not dramatic, but they are supernatural. God is at work. God is doing something. And yet you don't see the flashes of light and... Hear a rushing wind. And, you understand? You don't see dramatic things happen just in a moment of time. But great and mighty things are happening. They start small. They start, start oftentimes without much fanfare. Oftentimes go unnoticed by those that are preoccupied with the spectacular. But Jesus taught much about this. The Word of God has much to say about this. And we need to take heed to it today. Amen. I don't care what it is. It's in your life that's a problem. In all likelihood, if you look back, you can, re- you can see and find a very small beginning somewhere. How that that thing started real small. And then it's developed and gotten to be the problem now that it is. But by the same token, I don't care what kind of miracle you need. I don't care what kind of overhaul and area of your life needs to undergo you can do some things, you can set some things in motion that though they might not seem earth-shaking right now, they will grow and grow and develop and, and, and pick up momentum until it will completely change and restore and revamp, amen, restructure that area of your life to the glory of God. Now this is going to require faith and patience, isn't it? Can you see that already? Now, we could preach some things to you, you know. Uh, I'm I'm a preacher. I could preach some things to you that that might excite you and get you to run around the room and and what have you. But uh, we're not just interested in getting you to shout today. We're interested in getting your life changed. It may take more than 30 minutes to do that. You understand? We're talking about how to live. Sometimes you have to not, you know, in situations you, you, you need not just faith, but you need faith and patience. Now the word patience doesn't mean that you're waiting to see if God's going to do anything for you. That'd be unbelief. That word patience means perseverance. It means endurance. It means that you believe something and you're doing something and you can settle down and keep doing it day after day, week after week, as long as it takes to get the job done. And that's where so many folk are coming up short. I mean, they, they can make a good confession for half a day. You understand what I'm saying? They can talk right or expect something for a day or two, but then if they're not careful, they, they get weary and well-doing. They cast away their confidence. It's not just a matter of believing God and getting results. You have to believe God and keep believing God. And you have to stay with it even if it looks like it's not working, even if it feels like it's taking too long. Whatever the case might be, you have to learn how to settle in the Word of God and stand on it and not be moved and not be changed. And as the Scripture says, having not all to stand, what do you do? You stand. You just keep on standing. You keep on believing and keep on saying and doing what the Word has told you to do. It takes not just faith, but faith and patience, perseverance. And you may wish... I may wish, in different areas of our life, that we were further along down the road in some areas than we are. We may wish some some areas were more developed than they are. We may wish some situations were were uh, more you know more highly developed than they are. We may wish some areas of our life we may get to looking at them and think, I wish I hadn't let this get to this point. I wish I hadn't let this thing develop to the point that it is. But wishful thinking is not going to help us, is it? It is the way it is. Amen. But what we can do is we can initiate things today. Amen. To get things turned around and changed for our betterment and for the glory of God. I want to try to give you just a bit of an overview today in in, in some things that the scripture says about little things. And then as the Lord would lead us, we'll go into some detail perhaps throughout the week as the Lord would help us and give us utterance. But... uh, There's so many subjects that the Bible brings up this principle of little to great. Uh, For instance, let's, let's just talk a little bit about problems today, how that they begin small and get bigger, and then we'll talk about blessings also before we're through. We had already read in Song of Solomon where it said that the little foxes are the ones that spoil the vines. It's the little things that can get in. And you know, the devil is is, is very, very much aware of this. It's amazing how uh, that if the devil brings a large enough quantity of a certain thing to us, I mean, we'll stand up and fight it tooth and toenail. You know what I mean by that? But if he'll, if he'll drop, you know, drop down the size and, and magnitude of it to just a, a very small portion of it, a lot of times we won't even pay it any attention. And let it get in on us and begin to work. If it's a lot of something, a lot of times, man, we jump on it. If it's a big thing. But if it's just a little, a lot of times we pass it off and ignore it. But how many know what a lot of little makes? <laughs> a lot of little things makes a big thing. Isn't that right? And you know, it's so much easier to uh, deal with an acorn than it is an oak tree. Isn't that right? I mean, an acorn is easily dealt with. But you let that thing stay put and, and grow, and it just grows a little at a time. I mean, it just just a little. But that little adds up, and little by little by little, next thing you know, you got a good-sized sapling out there. And I mean, it'd be relatively easy to deal with then, you know, easier than later, but if you just let it go little by little by little, days pass, weeks pass, and see, because it's there and it's growing so slowly, you don't pay that much attention to it. You walk by and go in front of it, and you just don't pay that much attention. But over the months and over the years, that thing can get to be huge. Isn't that right? Just gigantic. And the enemy knows that. The enemy knows that. And he comes and tries to, I mean, he he knows if he suggested certain things, you know, uh, that that you would just... uh, you'd just immediately defy it and resist it. But he tries to find some very small quantity of something that you won't pay much attention to. tries to work that in. You know, he he knows concerning, you know, the area of, uh, let's just say, immorality. That if he came and suggested to a committed Christian that they ought to go out and commit fornication or commit adultery, and just came head on with the whole thing that they would, uh, you know, they'd say, "Well, no, that's wrong. That's the, the word of God says you're not supposed to be involved in those kind of things." And if it would just came across in the full force of it, they'd, they'd recognize it and deal with it. But uh, that's not the way he works. He knows better than that. He comes back to 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 the smallest thing that you'll you'll accept, a suggestion here or there to just think about this, or consider this, or to look at this. Isn't that right? And if he can get those little things in you, those little barbs, those little hooks, and get you to begin to thinking on that, then he's got a seed in you now. And if, if that stays in you long enough and develops and grows, it's going to blossom into the fruit of the sin. But I've talked with people before, and they, they fell into sin, fornication, or adultery, whatever, and they said, I, I don't understand. what You know, it just happened. No, it didn't just happen. It didn't just happen. You let some little things in, and didn't deal with some little things way back here. And you let them grow, and you let them get bigger. You didn't deal with some thoughts. You didn't deal with some desires. You didn't deal with some imaginations. You didn't deal with some fantasies. Maybe you watched some things you shouldn't have watched, looked at some things you shouldn't have looked at, and and you knew you knew you should have dealt with that, but to you it was just kind of a small thing, wasn't that big of a deal, so you let it go. Little things are how big problems get started. Habits are that way. Aren't they? People that are so addicted to tobacco that they can't make it through an hour or two without having to have some. They didn't start like that. Did they? They didn't start. They started with one cigarette. Isn't that right? Or something like, you know, one, one puff. Probably didn't even like it. Probably irritated their nose and mouth. And they thought, "Why? how do people do this? Why don't they do it? But they just kept doing it. And it didn't happen that they were in bondage to it just in a week or two. You understand? But little by little it grew. Little by little the desire grew. Little by little the craving grew. Until it got a hold on them. Same thing with alcohol. A sip here and a sip there. A glass here and a glass there. A bottle here, a bottle there. Isn't that right? Start small. Little things. See, that's what the devil tells people again and again. Oh, it won't hurt to look just a little bit. Oh, it won't hurt just to think about it just for a minute. You can handle it. Oh, just one sip, you can handle it. That lies propagated by the enemy to our youth and the people all over this nation uh, today, where drugs are concerned, isn't it? Oh, just 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 a couple of pills, just just one, you know, joint, just just a little bit of this, just a little, you know, you can handle it. As it that, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to be an addict. Yeah, but people don't stop to think that addicts didn't start out to become addicts. They didn't say, hey, I'm going to become an addict. Right? Hardened criminals didn't start out being, you know, what they are. They start out, you know, breaking the rules at school, ignoring the local authorities, stealing from mom or dad, stealing from grandparents, shoplifting. Isn't that right? And to them it's a little thing. Just well, these not that big of a thing, it's little things. Next thing you know, it's armed robbery. You understand? Murderers start with, you know, not controlling their anger, slapping somebody instead of controlling themselves. Beating somebody up threatening somebody, not controlling. And the more you yield to these kind of things, it gets worse, it gets worse, it gets worse until people are driven by wrong spirits that they've yielded to little by little by little until they've gotten to the place where they are. Little things that have become terrible things. That's why it's so important. You know, so many times uh, uh, when, when when children are real small, things are the easiest dealt with when they first start. As soon as a child's old enough to understand, they start throwing little temper tantrums, and fits, and these kind of things. That's the time to deal with it. It's the easiest. But you let somebody do that for decades, and now they're 40 years old, you've got a problem. Isn't that Right? you've got a problem. Not people not controlling their desires, not controlling their emotions. Little things that become big things, terrible things. Let's read a couple of scriptures in the the Word of God that talks about these things. Go with me, why don't you to uh, uh, Proverbs, the sixth chapter. We'll look at just a a few things that the Bible talks about, about bad things that start little and get bigger. Proverbs, the sixth chapter. In Proverbs 6, how many believe in God with me today? You understand how good of a, a service or class we have, not just depending on me, got my part to play, but it's also dependent on you how much you expect, how retentive and receptive you are. We both have our parts. Proverbs 6, though. And notice uh, we begin verse 6. Now, of course, we see wisdom here in Proverbs. What we've been talking about is wisdom. He says, Proverbs 6, 6, he says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. How many know the ant's a little thing? (laughs) How many know, though, that if you get enough of those little things, they can demolish an entire picnic lunch? (laughs) Isn't that right? Little things, but you get enough of them together, they can do something. And he tells the sluggard or the lazy person, go consider the ant's ways and be wise. Because the ants, though they don't have a guide, they don't have an overseer or a ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. They look ahead. When people have problems so many times, you know, whether it's financial or material, so many times it's because of lack of preparation and poor stewardship. Now, a lot of folk don't like that. They don't like to talk about this. Charismatics don't like this. They they just like, well, you know, make your confession and it comes falling in, you know. But stewardship is an element. People have major money problems because of little things. They don't watch little things, so-called, here and there. This little bill, this little bill, this little expenditure, this little wasted money here and wasted money there and wasted money here it adds up to what? Big problems. Isn't that right? Doesn't it? I mean, oh, stewardship is part of prospering too. I mean, you you know. Did you know just because the Lord increases you, that doesn't mean you automatically prosper? You have to think about that just a little bit. If you obey the Lord and give and have faith, the Lord will bless you. He'll increase your seed sown. But just because more comes in doesn't mean you live better per se. I mean, you can have more debts than you have uh, income no matter where your salary's at. Sometimes your problems just get bigger. Stewardship. Watching the little things. He said, verse 9, how long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Notice this. Yet a little sleep. A little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. He said it'll wind up like somebody that just came and robbed you of everything that you have. A little sleep, a little slumber. See, the sluggard doesn't get up, you know, doesn't, doesn't wake up sometime and say, you know, I'm just going to be lazy and sleep in all day long and goof off all day long and not do a thing. Somebody that does that perpetually, they don't, they don't say that, especially after they've been corrected again and again or reproved or whatever. They say, well, I'm just, going to, I'm just going to sleep just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. I'm just going, and then two hours later they wake up again. I'm just going to goof off just a little while. Giving in. Isn't that right? Nothing wrong with sleeping when you need to sleep. The Bible said he gives his beloved sleep. But see, he's talking about being lazy. Sleeping when you should be doing something else. Goofing off when you should be active. Amen. Being idle when you should be working. How many of us God's will for all of us to work? Is that right? All of us. Everybody. Everybody should work. The New Testament says a good bit about that. That we should work. Doesn't it? In fact, let's just stir ourselves up on it a little bit. Go to Second Thessalonians. Let's read a verse or two along this line. And this, I haven't digressed from my subject. We're still talking about healing. You'll see it clearer as we go. But Second Timothy, excuse me, it's Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians that's where I want you to go. 2 Thessalonians. This is New Testament, right? 2 Thessalonians, third chapter, last chapter. 2 Thessalonians. third chapter. He said, verse 6, this is Paul writing by the Holy Spirit. He said, now we command you, this is Paul talking, now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for nothing, but worked with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power or authority, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. If any, did you see that? Any. has to do with everybody. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. I said that all of us are supposed to work. Amen. All of us. All of us. Somebody said, well, yeah, but I'm retired. You don't retire from the kingdom of God. Amen. Hey, you might be retired from your secular job, but you're still supposed to work. Some shape, form, or fashion. Somebody said, well, you're a preacher. You don't work. I had somebody, uh, uh, I hadn't been, I hadn't seen some of my relatives, some of my, not not my close relatives, but kind of distant relatives for several years, and I went in a few years back for some occasion, and uh, they found out what I was doing. We talked about it a little bit, and one of them looked at me and said, you mean you don't work? (laughs) Well, uh, if you do the ministry the way you're supposed to do the ministry, it certainly is work. I understand why some people have that concept and that idea because there are some goof-offs in the ministry that bring a reproach on the ministry. They goof off, you know, just do nothing stuff and play golf all week or whatever and get a little sermonette out of somebody else's book and talk about social reform or politics for 20 minutes and call that ministry. Did you hear me? And they're not. They're you know they're bringing reproach on the ministry. But I've I grew up on a farm. I've worked on the uh, uh, docks loading freight by hand. I've worked in plants. Uh, You know I know how to work. I know how to work. I know what hard work is. I grew up on a farm. And uh, I tell you what, there's been many a time. That I've, since I've been in the ministry for the last several years, I've been, you know, trying to help people get answers in an area, trying to show people from the Word what to do, uh, praying, getting messages, or trying to get answers for myself and things. I've looked out the window sometimes and thought, man, it'd be a lot easier digging a ditch than doing this. If you do it right, it's work. I said, it's work. But in the kingdom of God, all of us are supposed to work. All of us are supposed to be busy. All of us are supposed to be occupied. All of us are supposed to be fruitful and productive. No matter what age you are, no matter what your background, where you live, all of us are supposed to be productive. Aren't we? And fruitful. Fruitful. And I'll just tell you this, a lot of people's problem, it's manifesting itself mentally, solically, physically, financially, and materially. But a lot of people, one of their biggest problems is idleness. 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 I've actually given some people trying to help people with mental problems and, and oppression and different things. That's been my primary prescription to some of them. Get a job. Get busy. Some people all they do, they sit around all day long and meditate on what the devil's saying to them. That's it. Just open their mind to wrong thoughts and oppression, and it's no wonder they get in the shape that they're in. And so, and, and other folks sometimes, family and ministers and church a lot of times don't help them because they they pay all their bills and take care of everything for them, so they can continue to do that. Well, if they had to get out and you know, make some money to buy groceries and have a place to stay and that kind of thing. Uh, You know, they couldn't think about the devil and what he's saying and doing all the time. They'd have to put their mind on some other things, have to get out and get with it a little bit, and it could help them. And instead of laying awake all night and entertaining the enemy's thoughts, they'd be tired when they got home and they'd want to go to sleep. I didn't say that was the cure-all for everything, but I said in many cases, that is an issue. And people don't start out per se to do that and to be that way, but it starts little and little. You know, how do people get to the point where they just, you know, they don't want to do anything? They just want to lay up in bed or in a chair in front of a TV all the time and do nothing and and bum off of everybody else and live off of everybody else, you know? Now, if you need help and people can help you, don't be too proud to take you. But you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying when you can do better, you just don't try. You see that that's not right. You're gonna have problems if you do that. And even if you're even if you're well well enough off financially that you don't have to work, you still need to be occupied, don't you? You still need to be occupied, and not just with frivolous things, not just with recreational things, not just with entertainment, but with things that'll make a difference in the kingdom of God. Isn't that right? I don't care who, you, you don't have to stand behind a pulpit and bring a message. There are so many other things that need to be done in the kingdom of God. I mean, it's a relatively small percentage of the body of Christ that's going to be behind the pulpit speaking messages. But there are people that you know that you can help and touch. People you can call on the phone. People you can pray for. People you can talk with. People you can just visit. People you can reach out and help in many, many, many ways. Amen. And you'll find in giving of yourself that you're sowing seed. Sometimes it seems like little seeds, little deeds, little things here, but you're sowing things that's going to come back to you in life and health and strength to be able to do more. Can you say amen? In so many situations, I've seen where people have become incapacitated are unable to do certain things, use certain body parts. And so many times it happened little by little by little. Instead of fighting something, they gave into it. You know what I'm saying? If you've got a part of your body that's injured or diseased, you need to take care of it. And you don't need to push it too far. But at the same time, I mean, doctors will tell you this, physical therapists will tell you this, that that a lot of times you you have to push things a little bit to get them to working again. Isn't that right? I know years ago, my my granddad had open heart surgery several years ago. And they came in there just a few days after he had had open heart surgery and, and very, you know, extensive surgery. They came in there just a few days after he'd had this surgery with this uh, bike that they put up on the bed for him to ride. And he looked at them like they were crazy, you know. I, I I'm not trying to pick my foot up and put it on that thing, much less pedal it. But they wouldn't leave him alone. And then making, him, you know, as the days pass, they'd help him to get up and to move and to walk around. And it was, you know, he had such pain and it was so uncomfortable and everything. And, and, and he'd think, well, why don't they just leave me alone? But no, they knew that if you're going to live, you got to move. Now, there's a point where you can push too far and do more harm than you do good. You understand? You have to be led and, and do what's right for you for the time. But you can't just... Lay back and not try. I mean, there's a simple rule of thumb about this physical organism, the body. If you use it, it maintains itself and and gets better and gets stronger. If you don't use it, it gets weaker. Muscles, organs, nerves, whatever. Use it or lose it is the basic principle. Uh, I saw some studies just recently on aging. And and they, they were saying that, that some of the things that the medical science and scientific world ha- had fought and believed and even said in some years past, they're finding out that there's some error to them. How many know that doctors and scientists are just men? They, they're just men. Thank God for what God has, has given us in these areas, but, but they're just men. They don't know everything. And that's why you shouldn't just take anybody's book, no matter who, if they're professional, whatever, how many degrees they've got, and just try to make a Bible out of it. They're just one Bible. Amen. Amen. And you got the as a Christian, you got the Spirit of God in you. He will lead you and guide you as to what's right for you if you'll pay attention to him. And he knows more about your body and what you need than anybody, any man, any person on this planet, if you'll listen to him. The Holy Spirit, I'm talking about. But they said what that you know that they. Uh, that so many po- folk had just taken for granted that at a certain age your body starts deteriorating and your bones start deteriorating and that's just age and nobody can do much about it but uh, but, but they were saying that that uh, they were realizing and, and tests were showing conclusively that the big one of the biggest problems in aging is inactivity and that people that were a certain age and inactive were in much much poorer condition than people that were the same age but were active, amen. And uh, I saw you. Might, I saw a certain uh, uh, commentary also on the fact that uh, people that were, you know, that were elderly, uh, you know, more so than than middle aged, and 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 they, many of them had gotten to the point where they couldn't walk and couldn't get around, and they were saying the main thing is uh, that their muscles had just gotten so weak and their bones had just gotten so weak, and they found that if they would stress those muscles and bones, even at age in, the, in their 80s and in their 90s, if they'd stress them, they'd get stronger. And they, they showed some examples of people that, that had, had been virtually incapacitated, couldn't get around on their own, but when they started doing a few little simple exercises, and strengthening themselves, instead of just sitting around doing nothing all day long, before long they were up walking around on their own power again. Amen. But see, oftentimes these things are not comfortable. It's easier just to sit. <laughs> Isn't that right? Do nothing. And make excuses. Well, you know, when you get older. Well, certainly when you get older, you know, some things are going to change here and there. But so many times people just, you know, they just give up and don't do anything. Little sleep. Little slumber. Little more. Little folding of the hands putting it off, procrastinating, we'll do something sometime. And these infirmities get a firmer grip and a greater hold on people's bodies. Well, how can you deal with that? I haven't digressed from a subject. I haven't digressed from the Bible at all. How many remember what 1 uh, uh, Timothy says in the 4th chapter about exercise? But bodily exercise profiteth little. We're still talking about little things. <laughs> Amen. Bodily profit profiteth little. Now see, some people read that and some way or another they, they they figure it profits nothing. He didn't say that. What did he say? Profits little. But now little compared to what? Compared to what? Compared to exercising oneself in godliness. That's the context of the scripture. He said, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of the life which is to come. See, he's telling us that bodily exercise is profitable, but it's only going to benefit you here and now for a little while while you live on the surface of this planet and while you live in this body. But exercising yourself in the things of God is going to benefit you dramatically right here and now and also in the life to come and for eternity. Amen. But bodily exercise is profitable. But here's the issue with bodily exercise. So many times, again, people are impatient and they want to try to do everything in two days or a week. I mean, they've let their self go for years. <laughs> they're weak, frail, out of shape, whatever. But now they're going to try to shape their self back up in, you know, no more than two or three weeks unreasonable. It's foolish. Isn't that right? And so many times if people can't just jump out there and run five miles or do this or do that, they're not willing to start where they're at and do the little that they can do. They're too embarrassed about it, too dissatisfied with it, or whatever. They're not willing to get up and walk around the block. Understand, they can't do the big thing, they're not going to do the little thing. And so they never develop, never improve, never increase. You got, you got to do what you can do. And sometimes when you first start, it's little, isn't it? What you can do is little. But it's what you can do. That's where you're at. And so you have to start with the little thing. There, I don't know what the cases of people. That have, I mean, had, had injuries through accidents, through disease, through cancers, through tumors, through different kind of things that have ravaged their body. And as a result of it, they couldn't use their arms, they couldn't use their legs, couldn't use their throat, couldn't use different parts of the body. And sometimes people have missed these things. That, yeah, we have faith in God. But also you put some action to your faith. Amen. And then like we said, yes, there are spectacular things that happen where just in a moment of time all the symptoms disappear and the person is made whole in a moment of time. But we said to you, that's the exception. It's been our experience that most Christians recover. You see, a lot of times people, they're not, they're not willing to fight the good fight of faith that it takes. Because so many times it's not easy. It's uncomfortable. It hurts to do what you need to do. It's much easier just to, just to lay there and, and, and not try. But you, you, you have to be led every day to push the, as far as you can without doing too much and hurting yourself, and, and on the other hand, without being too lazy and goofing off. And really, you're, you're the only one that knows where those lines are. Because it's your body, you know what's going on. Isn't that right? The little things. He said the, if you go on and look in the other portion of scripture, he talks about how that the man's place was all grown up and the fence was falling down and nettles and weeds were everywhere. How did it get that way? He said a little sleep, a little slumber. A little, a little, a little folding of the hands to sleep. A little, a little, a little. Well, I need to do this, but I'm just going I'm just gonna lay here just a little bit longer. <laughs> I need to get up, but I'm just gonna sleep just a little bit longer. I need to. I need to get up from here and, and go uh, do this, and go swim a few laps, or, or go ride my bike, or go do this. Or I'm just going to sit here a little bit longer in front of the TV, <laughs> just a little bit longer. And all those little bits add up until there are big problems in people's lives. Isn't that right? It's true, isn't it? Little bit, little bit. So the devil knows. He knows. He's crafty. He's subtle. He knows that we wouldn't accept just a great big thing, but a little thing here and there, we'll let it slide. We'll let it go. And he knows that it's accumulating all the time. Amen? Amen. You know, so many times, people, you know, boy, you see everywhere, articles about losing weight. I mean, it's all over the TV. It's all over the magazines, books. I mean, you know, it's a big deal. And so many times people want to take a pill or take an injection or what have you know and bingo, presto, my problem is gone. But extra fat gets on one cell at a time. Isn't that right? One bite at a time. Isn't that right? One meal at a time. And because it comes slow, many times people are not paying attention, you see. And they say, well... Man, I've gained 40 pounds. How'd this happen? just happened all over. No, it didn't. No. No, it didn't. It happened one bite at a time. One drink at a time. Isn't that right? The body doesn't just fabricate cells out of nothing. It has to have building materials. Those building materials that you put in your mouth. Is that right? And uh, you know, if, you, if you've let you know, get, you, if you've let some extra uh, gang up on you a little bit and gain on you a little bit, just understand it, it didn't get on there overnight. It's not going to come off overnight. Don't resort to some fad diet or, or pill or something that's going to promise you that it's all going to be gone in three days. If, it, if they could get some off of you that quick, it certainly wouldn't be good for you. It wouldn't be healthy for you could hinder you in many other ways. You understand? But see, a lot of times folk, they're not willing to do it the right way, are they? A little bit here, a little bit there. Here a little, there a little. Amen. See, the, the flesh wants to accomplish everything through intense effort. Let's just pull out the stops. Let's stay at the gym all day. Let's starve ourselves all week and get it. <laughs> it's not the way it works. That's how you wind up with strained muscles, strained bones. Your, your organs and glands are in shock. and <laughs> You can hardly move. You understand? No. No. We're in poor condition. It didn't happen overnight. We got a lot of excess fat. It didn't happen overnight. And it's not going to change overnight. We just have to settle down into a change of lifestyle. That's what, folks don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that at all. They want, they want to hear, come up here and I'll lay hands on you and it'll all be changed. <laughs> Take this pill and it'll be changed by the end of the week. Go in for surgery and you wake up a new person. <laughs> now, the thing that gets result and results is consistency. Consistency. The fruit of the Spirit, you see. Patience and long suffering. Temperance. Self control. These are all words your flesh doesn't like care for, but it's the way to real victory, it's the way to real change and permanent change life change here a little there a little a little bit here, a little bit there a little less of this, a little more of this amen and it adds up not like the sluggard who says well just a little bit more sleep just a little bit more goofing off just just I'm just gonna sit here and watch this program too, and then I'm gonna get up and Oh, something else came on. I'll just watch this too and uh, I I will do it tomorrow. I'm gonna to start exercising. I'm gonna go on that diet, you know, sometime. I'm a, I'm gonna a little here, a little there, a little procrastination, a little goo no, turn it around. A little less of this. A little less of that. Amen. A little more exercise. A little less fatty food. A little less this. A little less goofing off. A little more exercise. Amen? Amen? Do what you can do. If you've got something that hasn't been working, don't just resign it and that's going to be it. That's the end of it. Do, do whatever you can do. If you can't do anything but blink your eyes, blink them. Amen. Blink them in faith and expect it to get better. I'm serious as I can be. Do what you can do. And don't don't misunderstand me. I am not just talking about willpower. Because willpower is not enough. I'm talking about setting your will in faith toward God. I'm talking about faith toward God, which involves your will. Doing what you can. I know we had a lady here at Healing School a few years back, and I forget exactly what her condition was, but she had uh, some kind of arthritic condition, and it didn't happen overnight with her. But over a period of time, uh, months and years, she lost the use of her uh, her hands and her arms and her legs until she would just uh, her 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 hands and and, and arms were drawn and her legs were drawn, and she couldn't uh, uh, she couldn't move. Got where she couldn't walk. Got where she couldn't do anything for herself. Little by little, little by little, lost, you know, her ability to move by herself. Until her husband and her family, they're picking up, picking her up, taking her from the bedroom to the chair. She sits there half the day, and they pick her up and take her into the uh, to the kitchen or the, the dining room. Pick her up, take her back, take her to the bed, and you know, she just she's helpless. And uh, they brought her to healing school. And then I have to pick her up, take her out of the car, take her in the in the auditorium, take her back out. And after after her being with us for several days, and I hope I hope if you got you know something that you need, I hope you can be with us longer than a day or two. We'd like for folks to be with us at least a week if they can. If you want to stay a month, that'd be great. Amen. Some folks need to stay longer than others. Somebody said, "Well, you know, how long does it take God to do something?" It's not a matter of how long it takes God. Matter, of, you know, we, the Bible didn't say we receive according to how long it takes God to do something. We receive according to our faith. According to your faith, be it unto you. Sometimes it takes a little bit for folks to get their thinking changed, and believing changed. And so, after her being with us for, I guess, oh, probably a couple of weeks or so, I began to see some things. And and uh, I talked to her one time, and I saw that her faith is not where that we're just going to pray a prayer and just, you know, like that. She's instantly going to be free. We we know God can do that but that we don't receive according to what God can do. Do you understand that? We don't receive according to what God can do. We receive according to how we believe. Jesus told those two blind men and many other people uh, similar things. According to your faith, be it unto you. He told the woman with issue, blood, your faith has made you whole. As you have believed, so be it done to you. Amen? Again and again, Jesus spoke that way to the people that received in his ministry. And so uh, I began to talk to her. And I begin to talk to her about some of these principles, about taking back the land, a little piece at a time. Amen? You know, the Lord, see, that's a, a type of our salvation and redemptive rights and blessings is Canaan's land and the promised land. And over in Exodus, I believe it is, the Lord had told them about the promised land. He said, you won't take it all at once. He said, you'll take it by little and little. Amen? And they did, didn't they? They didn't take the whole thing at once. They took a city here and a city there and a city here and a city there and then sometimes two and three cities at a time and it began to increase and get bigger. This plot of ground, this mountain, this valley, they took it by little and little as they were able to take it by their faith and by the hand of the Lord upon them. Well, that's typical, isn't it? The Bible said those things were written as examples for us. How are we going to take the blessings of God? See, don't, don't live in a daydream world that I, I just, I'm going to claim them all at one time. I got them all manifest instantaneously. No, no, that's not reality. How do we take them? We take some here and some there. Amen. Amen. As we walk with God. And you take it according to your faith. And uh, I, I began to talk with her and I said, you know, don't, don't just sit around and wait. That the, that the power of God's just gonna zap zap you in the service one day and instantaneously all of your problems gonna be gone. I said, don't just wait for something spectacular like that. I said, I said, here's what we can what we can do. We can begin to release our faith at some place every day. And we can begin to take it back step by step. See, so the Lord told Joshua, everywhere that the, the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that'll be yours. He'd already given the whole thing to him, but he said, That's how you're gonna take it. You're gonna put your foot on it. A step at a time, and you're going to take it. And they took it a city at a time, by little and little, just like the word said they would. And uh, I said to her, I said, you know, things that you no longer able to do, things that you've lost uh, ability to do, and access to. I said, uh, uh, as you believe that you can, and as you believe that God can help you, begin to reach out and take some of those back. I said, I said, uh, start, start small. I said, don't, don't think you have to try to do some gigantic thing. Just, just start where you have confidence, not what you wish you could do, but what you believe you can do. Are you with me? See, the reason you hear about some tragic stories about people trying to do things supposedly by faith and failing, and some people even perishing. I'm just going to throw my medicine away and I'm not going to take it anymore, and they perish, and you see it in the news. Somebody said, that's what these faith people... Well, no, they weren't in faith at all. Had nothing to do with faith. Are you listening? No, it's the people that don't understand faith. No. You don't do what somebody else did. You don't do what you wish you could do. Are you listening to me? It's not a matter of what you want to do. Sure, you wish the symptoms were all gone right now. You and everybody else. That's not, the, that's not the issue. And it's not an issue of what God can do. Are you following us today? But what can you take back? You see, according to what you believe. And I saw her face begin to light up and she got it. She got what we were talking about. She got it. She said, I got it. She said, I, I know something in my heart right now I can do. I said, We'll we'll do it. She came back the next day. And she told me that she had made the bed. She said it didn't look the best in the world and it took her a long time to do it, but she said she did it. Amen. Now that may not sound like much to you, but it was a miracle for her. God helped her. I mean, it, it, it took something beyond what she had been able to do to do that. It was a, you know, you might call it a small thing, but it was a manifestation of the power of God. It was supernatural, though it wasn't that spectacular. It was supernatural. She made the bed by herself. That encouraged her. How many know that that it's better to try to operate in the little thing where you're at and have a victory and get encouraged than to try to bite off something that you really don't have faith to do and then fail and get discouraged? Because you can always set bigger goals. Isn't that right? Get a victory, set a bigger goal. Get that, set a bigger one. But see, sometimes people just play games with themselves and they try to pretend that I believe this or pretend that I, you know, and it's just wishing. It's not faith. And so uh, I said, "Well, I said, well, don't stop. I said, you know, you just do, you know, fellowship with the Lord, and whatever seems good to you, whatever you have confidence to reach out and begin to take something else back. I said, take it. Believe God to help you. Expect strength to come. Expect, expect your joints to begin to loosen up, and expect strength and ability to come. In a few days, she came and she was smiling from ear to ear. They're still, they're still carrying her, you know, uh, from the car to the." To the auditorium, but, but she came and uh, she said uh, uh, she said I made my husband's lunch this morning, you know, before he left. I, he helped me get in in the kitchen, and I, I did it. I made it. Well, to make a longer story short, this, I mean, this happened over a period of months. Everybody say months. Amen. Now, see, that's why a lot of folk don't get healed because they're they just waiting on something that happen just in a moment of time and they're not willing to settle down into some things that we're talking about here and begin to take some things back. They're looking for somebody else that, you know, go here and there and looking for some minister that's got a special gift and pray a special prayer that's going to solve all my problems. Now, we believe in special things, friends. But you have to be careful about looking for something like that and going for something like that because you can be looking from now on. Special things do happen. But they don't, uh, when I say special things, I'm talking about manifestations of the Spirit. They do happen. They don't happen for everybody. They don't happen all the time. And you don't know who they're going to happen for and how they're going to happen. But you do know this, every Christian has a right by faith to recover. Amen. Amen. may not be that dramatic and spectacular, but it can be sure to you. She uh, Eventually, she's walking from one room to the next. Amen. Eventually she's walking around her house. Eventually she's you know she's she's doing some light laundry and she's doing some light house cleaning. And then she's walking around the block. Then she's walking several blocks. Amen. Week after week passed. She took back this, she took back that. It was a challenge, it wasn't comfortable, it wasn't easy. But she took it back a piece at a time until she's walking and doing most anything that a normal, healthy person can do. Can you say amen? Amen. amen? Amen. We take back the land that the enemy's taken from us. The land of our health and our strength. We take it back, not just according to what we would like for it to be, according to what somebody else has faith to be, but according to what we can believe. We take it back a step at a time. We take it back a piece at a time. Amen. You take back something that you have confidence to reach out and take back. And, and as you're feeding your faith in the Word of God, that's what she was doing daily. She's coming to healing school, getting about four hours of teaching every day. Coming to the morning session, two hours. Afternoon session, about two hours. Every day. But see, it's not enough just to come and get fed. It's not enough just to feed your faith. You've got to use your faith. Isn't that right? You've got to exercise. And that's where a lot of folk have not not made much progress because they've just been feeding their faith. Just feed, 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 and never use it. It's not just faith fed that brings victory. It's faith used. Faith exercised that brings victory and brings results. Thank God, little by little, she came out of that bondage to victory and health. And Liberty we could we could tell you many other stories the same way you know there's so many things we could we could talk to you about but i, I think you have, i think you've got the idea but I want to close with this in psalm 137 just just one thought here and we close for today psalm 137 won't you turn there with me this is a scripture you might find Partially amusing, partially gross. (laughs) Maybe challenging to understand. But I think you can see very clearly why we wanted you to look at it. Psalm 137. Psalm 137, beginning in verse 7. Psalm 137, 7 says, remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it, that means level it, level it, even to the foundation thereof. See, these are, the, these are people that come against the, the Jews, and, and, and when, when other people begin to destroy them, the Babylonians and different ones, I mean, they're shouting, I mean, level it, don't just, don't just defeat them, level the place. He said, O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, Happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. Now this may sound very barbaric, and it is, and and gross. But he's talking about the little ones of the Babylonians. Amen. The enemies. Why? Because little Babylonians grow up to be big Babylonians. They were some of the most cruel, fierce people that they would ever encountered. You wouldn't want them to hear and know about the things they did to the Jews as well as other people they conquered you wouldn't want to hear it. I mean, I read some recent things in, out, out of uh, history and culture books along some of these lines. And I mean, I'd never even thought of some of those things. That people would do those kind of things to each other. And we and we hear about a lot of bad things in our society today. Some of these things I hadn't even heard of. I hadn't even thought about. It takes the devil to think of some of those things. But little Babylonians grow up to be big Babylonians. Isn't that right? And he says, happy shall he be that takes those little ones and dash them against a the stone and that's the end of them. But see, what, what folk could do is have mercy on them. Well, they're just a little thing. And let them go and let them grow up. It might be the same Babylonians that torture them in years to come. There's a real truth here, isn't it? Happy is he that takes those little things and dashes them against a rock so that they never grow up to be big enemies, torture them, torment them. I would, God, that through these days the Lord would reveal to us, help us to see and give us wisdom and understanding and grace that when little things that could be a threat to us down the road, come up in our life. We don't just pass them off insignificant and trivial, but we grab them and we dash them. Amen. And therefore, never have a problem with them. Never experience the torment and torture that so many will. Because we never even let them get a root in our life. We never even let them get started. When you understand some of these things, it will cause you to respond in some ways that many don't understand. And I've had people that I've worked with and been around and different things and, 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 and sometimes they were surprised about the way I reacted about some things, other things that they, they thought might have been a problem I didn't, didn't seem to react to and, and some other things that they thought were just little and unimportant I reacted to and I thought and I came on real strong about it and they thought, well that's, a, that's just a little thing yeah, but they didn't see what that was the beginning of where it leads to. you understand? And the more the Lord helps you to have wisdom to see how things start and where they lead to and where they grow to, then the more you grab those little things, when you see those little things, they look innocent enough, they look harmless enough, but you know what they're a seed of and I mean you jump on them with both feet. They're small, but you know what they're a seed of and you grab them and I mean you dash them against the rocks and you never ever have problems with them. Praise God.